0: free To be show is sponsored by Replenish Me membership. Show up powerfully with monthly webinars, meetups, and coaching sessions. You can replenish online and relieve your stress and resolve your issues. Whether you are trying to recharge your entire staff or Just seeking a community of support. Empower yourself today with the Replenish Me membership. And now for tonight's show. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Free to Be Show. On the Free to Be Show, we interview dynamic individuals who have freed themselves from something and now they're showing up powerfully in the world. Tonight, it's my honor and pleasure to introduce a really dear friend of mine. And although he gave me his bio, I'm not gonna really read from it. He is um, a TED Talk speaker. He's a part-time politician. (laughs) He is a businessman and human being extraordinaire. Um, and an amazing and loving husband and father, and I just want to introduce you to Mohammed Hamoud. Did I I mispronounce your last name? No, that's
1: perfect. I just want to know, the guy you introduced, is is he joining us today?
0: (laughs) He is joining us today. (laughs) So glad to
1: be here with you, Cordelia. Uh, This is long overdue, so it's nice after we've We met three years ago, and it's nice to finally connect with you one on one. Really looking forward, and the honor and the pleasure is really mine today.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, so um, we met through Practical Muslim, um, but uh, now we are, you know, our paths keep crossing for so many more amazing Mm -hmm. things that you're up to in the world. But you know what? I really want to know what is it that you had to free yourself from to show up the way you do now?
1: I'm still freeing myself and that is from guilt, from shame, from the inner voices that tell me, I'm not doing enough, I'm not being enough, I'm not living enough, all the voices say I'm not enough. And you know, a friend of mine shared a video, he put together a video that I'm using for my branding and I was watching it today And he did some sort of splash where I was, and I say this very humbly, by the way, you know, where I was doing various talks and engagements. And I thought, is that me? Because I saw, if I was watching this video, I would say, oh, I want to do these things, right? And I've done these things. But the imposter syndrome always comes back to tell me, well, it's not you, or that's not really you, or you're not doing enough. So there's always that feeling of, and it's not just the shiny syndrome, the shiny object syndrome. It, it, it's more that I just feel that when can I do more? I want to do more. And have I done enough? And am I being enough? So freeing myself, and it's wonderful, you know, and I hope that I'm not failing your listeners because I want to say that it's, it's a challenge and a struggle and a battle and a hill and a mountain that I climb every day, but I make sure that the that climb and those mountains aren't ones that I put on my back that, that weigh me down, but they're mountains that I can, you know, mount. And then when I, when I get there, I can just look around me and I can say I am enough, but that's something that I have to do daily. You you know, it's, I used to use the expression to get there. And one time somebody said to me, and where is there? And it just really hit me that there isn't a there, you know, maybe the there is when we go back to our maker, But right now, the journey means I have to continue moving, climbing, lifting, growing, being, and freeing myself from the, you know, the shackles that weigh us down from our own self-doubt, from our own negativity. And just to say to ourselves before we can proclaim it to the world, you are more than enough. So.
0: Wow. I'm just gonna allow a little bit of silence so people can like really receive that and take that in what a real that's a brilliant answer and very true i feel uh we're often in a constant state of freeing ourselves to be present yeah. to be here right now um and you and you put it so eloquently you know um there's no there right there's no
1: there it's you know just when I, yeah here. and when when i was younger and i'm sure this you know you'll relate to this when when i was younger i kept thinking i'm gonna be the best dad i'm gonna be the best husband i'm gonna be i'm gonna gonna get gonna, to gonna, gonna. and you know i've done things that i wasn't the best dad there's things that i'm ashamed of there's things i'm ashamed of as a father as a husband as, as a partner, as, as a brother, there are things that I've failed in life and things that maybe I've done, I wouldn't have taught myself doing. So, you know, we're, we're unpacking this and being completely transparent, but where I also allow myself to forgiveness is nobody ever told me that I had to be perfect. But that 20 year old, you know, said, hey, this is what you need to aspire to. And now the 50 year old looks back and says, well, did you meet it? And that 52-year-old 50, well, is always reminding the, you know, the 52-year-old and the 20-year-old and the eight-year-old, all those knees in here and in here. You know what? Nobody wrote your playbook. You're writing it. And as you review previous chapters, do it with the lens of authenticity and, and clarity and forgiveness. Because we human beings can tend to be so unforgiving to ourselves, unless we're arrogant and right, and we think we're just better than right, we tend to really think that we failed others and we failed ourselves. And I, I'm not perfect. I'm actually very imperfect. But my in my imperfection probably lies my greatest abilities to be authentic and to be me so long as I know that I have to strive to getting better. And so that's part of that journey is so long as I'm, you know, in Arabic we say, so God tells us, strive my servant so that I will strive with you. You know, whatever you believe in, in terms of a greater force, if you believe in a greater force, the energy in this world doesn't say for you sit and things will come to you. It's a seek and you will find. And when you find you will understand. And when you understand, you will appreciate life. And when you appreciate life, you'll start living. But it's always reminding ourselves of that ability to do it step by step and not to do it backwards. So that 52-year-old is going to look back at that 8-year-old and 20-year-old and say, I'm still searching and there's many treasures I found. Let's share them together and appreciate them together. But there are still so many treasures that I'm looking for.
0: You bring up really like two great concepts, right? A lot of people talk about the work with the inner child and the shadow work and stuff like that. And so you are very present with your child self, your young adult self, and your more mature self. And at the same time, as far as your shadow goes, you are um, living life with grace. And as you so, again, well said it, self-forgiveness. And I know, like, people of faith have a tendency to talk about forgiveness, but it's an outward kind of thing, right? And I, I love that. I love it when I meet someone that believes in self-forgiveness, because that was one of the things I had to come to when I was talking to my 19-year-old self, in my case. And... <laughs> And you're 25
1: year old self talking tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're so kind. That would be impossible to have a 20 year old though if I was 25. So, uh, <laughs> but thank you. Um so the self forgiveness piece is is the only way you can really live in grace because it's it's not the self forgiving the way we think of how we forgive others, but it's the self forgiving where it's um I am doing the best I can mm. with what I know now and and giving yourself grace and space for that.
1: It is you know we we measure others by if we don't measure we we measure ourselves and we we are sometimes maybe too forgiving and then when it comes to others we're you know it's by a different yardstick, right? So we don't give them the same benefits that we give ourselves and then i think the more aware we become and recognize that we have to forgive ourselves to your point it's knowing well what do i know today what are the decisions and the choices that i can make today and can i be forgiving to myself knowing when i look back it wasn't that i made the wrong decision it was the best decision that I could make at the time. And then when we know that we've truthfully made a wrong decision, like I just, you know, admitted to you all, I made mistakes as a father or a partner or, or or a brother or a son. I've made those mistakes, but those mistakes allow me to reflect on the mistakes that others are making, and to judge them now by what I know, that the journeys and the battles that they're having. I need to be forgiving to them. And that is, you know, that's how empathy, I believe, works, is if I start looking at others and I make excuses for them, it's coming from a sympathetic, uh, 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 through a sympathetic lens. But when I can understand, I have to, you know, forgive them because they are likely going through something as arduous as what I've been through, as, as violent as maybe what I've been through, but maybe they're just not showing it on the outside. And we're just so quick to judge. And, you know, I, I, I know we're both Muslim here, but this will go for anyone who's not either. If God wanted to put us on this earth to judge, we'd all have full-time amazing jobs. Just You know, we, we'd be busy all the time. So I you know, leave the judging to a more forgiving judge and then allow us to experiment and experience and, you know, more with ourselves and with what we can give back to this world. So it's just, you know, when when you've put it that way about the inward and the outward, I think the more we learn to master our own process of forgiveness and our own self-awareness, the better we're going to become at understanding others and being accepting of others because we can relate. And it's when we find that humility in humanity, that person becomes not only a mirror but they become a reflection of what we hold dear because we have so much in common.
0: Yeah, we see our humanity in someone else.
1: It is, it is.
0: Brilliant. We'll be right back and dive deeper into now how he's helping others with this. Replenish me. When I say that, what comes up for you? And when's the last time that you've done that? And where do you feel that in your body? Well, this is my invitation to you to explore the four steps of my Replenish Me program, where women learn how to release, restructure, refresh, and rebirth. Showing up in the world being true to yourself. Only choosing words that honor your values and only allowing behaviors and people in your life who do the same. Connect with me by reaching out at bit.ly forward slash replenish with love and explore replenish me. And now for tonight's show. And so we're back. So Muhammad, that was Brilliant, and now I know that, you know, the work that you're doing in the world has, it must have been built out of your own journey of self-awareness. So how are you showing others how to be more self-aware and use their emotional intelligence?
1: Start with myself, you know, model what you want to see in others, be that role model so that we are role modeling the behavior we expect to see and not role playing. Let's look in a a, a workplace. So many managers or directors or at the level of executives will say, well, I'm too busy. I've got to, you know, run the company. We've got to bring in the bucks so that we can pay you. And we're going to talk to the clients and all this sort of jargon, right? And we don't need to do one-on-ones and calibration meetings. And we don't need annual reviews because, you know, we just don't need it. Like you and I see eye to eye, right? Well, and then at that level of where we're told we don't need it, we need to talk to you more than you think. So what happens is this level of, of, of leadership lead at a level that's detached from the rest of the company. And so you've, you know, most traditional leaders, uh, leadership models are the, the you know, the, the pyramid, while the top echelons of that pyramid detach and you almost see it surfacing up here, right? And it's hovering up here and then this pyramid is grounded and they're actually getting the work done. Well. What we need to do is first bring it together and then turn it upside down and you know show that leadership is coming back to that central figure who is helping to inspire the organization but they're actually carrying you know the, the weight of the organization but it's not a weight that's weighing down on them because they are actually becoming the foundation So when you involve people and let them know that they're part of your vision and that they can sign into your mission, they become ambassadors and you harness a free workforce when people are engaged and and they become your ambassadors. And, you know, you almost don't have to do any marketing. So why is that important how I'm showing up? Well, we need to tell these leaders, hey, if you think that leadership is about you being somewhere in front of the pack, and not looking behind and not worrying about the people that you're leading because you're always looking for you know, lunch, you're looking for prey, you're looking for a new business, you're concerned about your clients, right? Well, guess what? You've just detached yourself from your tribe. You've got to be part of your tribe. You've got to bring your tribe along with you and real leaders will understand that they need to position people who can help them. So and, you know, if we use the, the wolf, story. You've got the, the leaders at the, at the front, you've got leaders in the center, and then you've got strong leaders at the back because they're aware of the, the tired and the sick wolves that are near the center. They're of, of aware of the, the younger wolves. And so that community, that tribe of wolves, that pack is supporting each other from the front to the middle to the end, and they work together. So leadership means that we have to be aware of our needs. Yes, if I'm at the front, I need to be looking and surveying where am I going, what what lays out there, what, you know, dangers are out there, what, you know, new lunches out there, what new business we can get, what possible downturns might we experience, but I also have to be aware of what's the pulse just behind me and how am I supporting the leaders that are keeping, you know, the eyes on how everyone else is moving along. So it's understanding that continuum from the leader at the front to the leader at the back, and then who's in in, 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 around us and in the center, that awareness comes from us knowing ourselves and knowing our needs, but it also aligns with the, uh, having awareness of others and of their needs. We don't live on an island by ourselves. It'd be boring.
0: Yeah, it would be. Right. It would be so boring. So I'm curious, how is this like, uh, what are you helping your clients with now during COVID? You know? and, and I'm gonna be very super specific because I know how you are um, when it comes to diversity issues. Um, I've been in a couple of summits uh, surrounding specifically women in the workplace. And so um, what are you helping leaders with? Because at least in the United States, we're, we're losing about 80% of women and men mm-hmm. are getting like uh, promoted, and women mm-hmm. are not only not getting promoted, they're having to leave. So how are you helping leaders with that?
1: Talking exactly about that. So about a month ago, I was invited at 7 o'clock in the morning to be on an all-woman uh, meeting, virtual Zoom meeting. And of course, there's Mohammed and everyone else is of the female gender and they acknowledged me and welcomed me and I thanked them and then I sat and listened and where I thought it wise I spoke I took permission to speak up and you know I made sure that I thanked them because I recognized this was an all-woman crew but being an ally meant that I could sit at the table where they were engaging. Well the reason I want to do that is I want to be able to resonate that message elsewhere and say this is 2020 isn't just about the pandemic 2020 isn't just about george floyd and and the black lives movement and the amplification of, of the voices that have been silenced not in silence but silenced for too long 2020 and it's amazing that those two numbers you know when you think about 2020 vision right and then 2020 you know 20 over 20 is one we were really reduced if we're going to be one one community one humanity we have to recognize that we have to support each other. So 2020 only becomes one when you put 2020 on top of each other and you become one community and it's awakening and making people aware. I, here in, L- in London, Ontario, we had, I think in July, I facilitated a session with that was attended by maybe about 150 people online. And it was called um, the Re- London's recovery. So recovery 2020 awake, aware, and ready to act. And I just got a panel together. And I said, look, we are concerned about our community. What can you share to the people who are listening about how London can recover? But the message wasn't just about our local geographical London. It's a message that resonated anywhere because each community had to think, how are we coping? How are we in this for the long-term? And how do we not use language like the old normal want to go back to the old normal or new normal? I don't want a new normal. How do we recognize that we came from a broken, failed model and we have to work together to create a new one? How do we recognize that it's not enough for senior leaders in big corporations to say, well, I'm stepping down so that a Black woman can sit at the table. You know what? That's great. That's great. But I wanted to look back 20 years ago for those women to be part of the table so that a new generation right now looks inclusive and feels like they belong. So diversity is a fact, inclusion is a choice, and working together so that people feel they belong means that there's an intentional strategy where we're not just token moving out and bringing in, but we're allowing those voices to feel included and to be part of the discussion. And we're not giving them permission, but we're stepping back and listening. So these are the conversations that I've had on podcasts, the conversations that I have with one-on-one coaching, with leaders who say, well, how can I do this better? I say, well, start by recognizing that the Black Lives Movement isn't about reading a book. It's not about education. It's about what you can take away from that and act. And it's about reflecting and not shaming yourself because you're part of a generation or, or a demographic that has failed the larger community, but recognizing that because we are here together, then I need to do differently. So it's that awareness that comes with action and responsibility and then holding ourselves accountable to do things differently. And by different, I'm talking about better and how do we measure it? We don't want to be here in two years. You know, I don't know about where you are, if things kind of relaxed during the summer because the weather was nicer and we forgot our masks, we were going out, I was going to the beach. You know, we were enjoying life and COVID was in the background. But now with the colder weather and, you know, wave two, And more deaths and more lockdowns this is a reminder that we're not done and we're likely not going to be done for a while so we really have to try hard as we're building this new reality to be more intentional about what it looks like in two years in 20 years so that our children and their children are not saying we screwed up
0: yeah you bring up so many good points there i mean uh uh, just broadly people are always saying dei right diversity equity and inclusion but there i was recently also in a summit that had it was called debbie right
1: belonging
0: Mm. that right that i would have to say the b could also be bridge right Mm. because that's the thing that's missing because you always say that diversity is a fact inclusion is a choice But then there's the belonging. Belonging part, And that's super important. And we don't have a choice anymore, but to be mirror, really truly see uh, the humanity of each other in each other. And leaders have a choice in every interaction. Even they can practice in their personal life is what I'm hearing you say, right? Um, To be an ally, you know, you, you don't just go to the store and and um, look the other way and, you know, or scroll on your phone while you're online, you can actually see what's happening, right? You can see the, the uh, black teenage boys being harassed by the security right. and say something and be an ally. Right. You can see the, you know, the mothers struggling. And, you know, I don't know, that might be more of a touchy issue if you're a man, well, but you know what I mean? But, but still, it's the reality,
1: it's right. be touchy, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, right.
1: We, 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 we wanna address the touchy issues because when we just tippy-toe around the things that make us feel better, that's where we pick up the book and say, oh, you know, anti-bias training, great, thank you. I've got a bias, move forward, the next, right. It's more about, wait a minute, you've made me aware of my biases and we all have them by the way, but how are they impacting me negatively? And how do I change? So how do I walk by a, a community where there are you know, um, many young black boys and they don't have the, the access to the things that me as a mere white person has. How do I do something differently? How do I become the human bridge well, through empathy and compassion and say, what does it feel like to be on your side? Can I come over? Can I feel with you? And then bring that person back and say, what would it look like when you're on my side? And now that we've built that bridge, guess what? we've made it easier for us to go back and forth. And that's what we need to do. So, you know, and, and I maybe this is more in the States than it is in Canada where I'm based, but there, I feel that, you know, um, when we're just picking people uh, to sit in positions because they're Black or Muslim or Jew or, or what, whatever not the mainstream is, it feels token. I want it to be more natural. And to your point earlier about I, I, right now with COVID, my my comfort food is watching Bewitched and the Golden Girls and some of those older episodes. And while I love them because they've got great messages, watching Bewitched and watching these, uh, what we now deem as um, sexual or or lack of respect to that, to the second gender, because, you know, it's it's very much wait till your father gets home, honey, you know, you belong in the kitchen kind of role for the women, right? And it was okay in the seventies, we accepted it. We wouldn't think of anything different. But we're doing that now. So when COVID hit, women had to stay home and be with the kids. You know, Men would call it babysitting their own kids. Now, I'm not saying I'm doing anything better, but I'll give you an example. I may bring in more money in what I do and I'm also able to work at home because my full-time job and my coaching job allows me to work from home. My wife actually is the essential worker. So she goes in person, she doesn't make as much as I do and she doesn't work as much as I do but she spends hours outside the house well I don't wait for her to come home to do the housework right there's work that I as a partner in the home can do maybe not as well as she does maybe that's why she still does the cooking because we want to eat but can I clean things up can I clean after myself can I write can I prepare certain things so that it feels like we're in a partnership just like we would at work i wouldn't turn around to, to a coworker and say well here's our roles and this is where we are in the organization you do this and i tell you this it's more of how do we work on it together so when we start role modeling that at home when our children see that our relationships are are at par or at least gender neutral right equitable we start practicing that role modeling at home It's easier for us to do it in the community. And, you know, I come from a very Middle Eastern background, so it's not that easy to do some of these things because our culture, not religion, has really segregated men and women and given them different roles. But it's time to say it doesn't work. You know, one hand doesn't clap on its own. So we need to make sure that if we're going to clap and give ourselves credit, we need to make sure that we're working together.
0: That is such an excellent example. You know, like I when I was saying practice, and um, the community, I was literally thinking about like in the community, but you're right, like, you have to start at home, because mm-hmm. that's where you are most of the time. And, and that's where we all are now. Yeah. Um, so, and that's exactly why so many women are you know, just from the stress, and and it's and here's the thing though, Muhammad. Don't feel so bad. Don't be so hard on yourself because it's not just a Middle Eastern thing. That you know, like there's equal opportunity with men being sexist and thinking that their wives need to you know clean up behind them and pick up their socks and babies. me a kids. bottle of water or something, right? <laughs> right. Like, whoa. Yeah. So it's not just you know you know. I mean, people say, and they like to demonize, you know, different cultures because humans like to judge, but that's not our job as you told us earlier. <laughs> yeah. and, and I personally feel like the longer you live, the less you judge because mm. it's like, mm, whoa, I see myself yeah. over there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. wow, I can't say anything. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a really good point. If we're not human with our partners and with our children, right? Because then there's the inequity, and we have so many generations now in the workforce, right? So if, if think about that for a minute. like if you're mistreating your children, or you, uh, let me say, not mistreating, but you're expecting certain behaviors um, of the children because, you know, well, I'm older than you or I'm the mm-hmm. dad, right, then guess what you're going to do at work?
1: Yes. And you know, I often say that too, Cordelia. I say that depends where we have the more forgiving environment. If you know, I I could have been fired from home mm, so long ago, I could have gotten my pink slip, right? And I probably should have, right? (laughs) I go I take a lot more, I'm a lot more careful at work because I realize, oh, wait a minute, if I screw up once, twice, maybe they'll let me get away from the third or fourth time I'm gone. But we take that freedom and liberality at home that hey, it's okay, but you know, we shouldn't. And sometimes our children are a great reminder. So my 14, soon to be 14 year old boy said to me that I'm not a kid anymore. And the way you talk to me and, you know, you're not trusting me and you talk about transparency and I'm looking at him and listening to him. And I said, okay, so how can we do things differently? And he said, well, you know, and the example was that he wants to take his phone to bed and keep it there all night. I said, yeah, but you're on it all the time. And he says, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm listening to music. I promise I'll turn it off. And you got to trust me. I said, but I don't. And he goes, well, then you got to. And I said, okay, but then you've got to keep up your end of the bargain because your older brother and sister, they had their phones on the mantle at nine o'clock. And I disabled, the, the, you know, I would put on an app that disables everything for them. You want your phone 24-7? You need to be responsible. And by the way, do you know why? It's because I care, it's because it's not safe. It's because I'm looking out for you. But I allowed that conversation because as a parent or as a leader in, in, in the workplace, we think we know more, but we don't tell the little things in between. We just give the message. We don't role model it. And we expect people do as I tell you. What he was saying is, do as you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm walking around with my phone 24 seven. And you know, I say, well, I'm not, I'm working. Right. So I need to role model that behavior and I listened to him. And then a the couple of days after that, my wife and I were talking, and I said, you know, he really shocked me. She goes, why? I said, well, he's not a kid anymore. And, you know, we're treating him like baby Hattie, but he's not baby Hattie anymore. And it really was a turning point for me with my 13 year old, because I thought, "A, you don't want him to grow, but he's already grown. <laughs> but for one of the first times i recognized just where he was in terms of growing. Well, That came through listening. So whether it's my 13-year-old boy, whether it's my partner, whether it's somebody at work, all we have to do is just, you know, somebody recently told me, listen and silent have the same letters.
0: Mm, They do.
1: Right? And God gave us two of these, one of these, which is hard for Muhammad to remember. So it's a matter of listening because when we listen, we learn and we inevitably start to love and lead by compassion when we learn, and then we lead more authentically and allow others. And you know, this is where I, I those weren't just those four L's that I just threw out. They weren't just out of the blue. I, I I have a formula about you know four D's and four L's how we grow our self awareness through diagnosis, developing a plan, determining the, the the steps, and then doing it. And when it comes to developing awareness of others it's you'll listen you'll learn you you inevitably learn to love and then you lead and so it has to make sense if it doesn't make sense go back to the drawing board
0: wow that's just brilliant it's it's so you're so much your own brand and your own message that you are that's what makes you so self-aware and and i'm Sure. That's, you know, it translates very seamlessly when you work with your clients. So what, what changes have you seen them make, um, with their, within their organizations?
1: It is the awareness and and it is more of, you know, we use terms like we're stronger together, but we only know the, God forbid, do you remember when you've been sick? Do you know that that nearness that you felt to your frailty and to your um, vulnerability, right? So when we're sick, all of a sudden, you know, or if we've had a near-death experience, we think, oh, life is just so important. Like I've had two operations. And then when I came out, I was thinking, thank you. I love you. You're so nice, right? And the closer we are to death, the more we can remember death. The more we have an awareness of our finite existence on this Earth, the more that we're aware that there's something bigger and more and I'm here, I'm not talking God, I'm just talking about our temporal existence here. The more we're aware of that, the more we value doing the right thing and doing the thing right. Because then when we're having those questions, we'll look for authentic answers, and we're not afraid to ask the questions. So what it means we have to do better is really lead by example. And right now, because we're in a pandemic, we're seeing death all around us. We're seeing our vulnerability and our frailty. And we need to recognize that I may not be here tomorrow. I may not be here later today. So how do I really go to what you said at the beginning? How can I be present? How can I truly say that 52-year-old man, it's good that you can remember what your 8-year-old and 20-year-old self did. But your 52-year-old self needs you. Now your 53-year-old self. Today, I need you. Today, you need to feel that you're enough, that you make a difference, that you help, that you bring value. And you may only be a speck on the continuum of this existence but you matter because you have the entire universe in your heart and the divine can live in your heart where the divine cannot fit within the rest of the universe itself. So elevating ourselves to that level of greatness, but shrinking in humility will allow us to truly know the value that we can bring to others and to ourselves.
0: Wow, that's truly brilliant i i hate to say anything actually after that i just want to leave that there um and and actually i think i will and we're going to come back and i'm going to let you pull out the golden nuggets (laughs) from our conversation (laughs) we'll be right back I've been marked to be counter-cultural, proclaiming spirit fire, 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 fire. over everything. It is a blessing to be a woman with a wild mind to expand paths, popular thought. I'm awakening from the cultural hypnosis and mind-controlling ideologies of the self, spirit, and what's real about life. authentic thing i can do right now every choice i make belongs to me and no one else i was made on purpose i will astonish this mean version of the world with my softness i'm a woman of alchemy so we're back thank you so much Mohammed. this has been such an enlightening conversation and you're such a gift to the world really i love what you do and um, the way you show up as a role model in your own life and in your own community um, and your presence you know, with yourself. So close us out with like the golden nuggets from our conversation.
1: <laughs> Just be yourself. You know, It, it sounds simplistic, but I think the reason so many of us are unhappy, unhealthy, is we're so busy comparing ourselves to others, what we have, what we don't have, what they have, what, right? It's, and you know, you try, and I'll speak here from my personal experience. Somebody says, Oh, I'm rocking and I'm doing this. The first voice that comes in is, well, What am I doing wrong? And rather than saying, how do you be happy for that person? How do you know, how do you say, again, if you believe in in a higher force, how do you say, God, give me of what you've given others so that I could say, thank you. I can be more grateful for what you've given and God give me the strength to be grateful for what you've given me, even if it's not as much as you've given someone else. So in those, subhanAllah, I said, sorry, I'm getting too Islamic on you here. But as I'm talking to you, the sun just came out. And when the sun comes out, it just, my heart just opens up. So know that you said that I was a gift. The gift is that God gave us as a gift to the world. And we have a trust that he has given us is to be a gift to the world. And when we hold that gift too near to our heart, And don't share it. Don't share our wisdom. That wisdom means nothing. If I tell you I have a diamond in the hand, you'll say, you know, I have a diamond here and a coal here, but which one is which? It's only when I display it to you, when I share it with you that it has value. So if I have any knowledge and wisdom, it only makes a difference when I share it with you, when I teach you, when I mentor you, when I coach you, when I pass on my knowledge. The knowledge that we have doesn't pass from generation to generation through books, through actions, through seeing me role modeling it then you know what life have I lived what do I take with me and what do I leave behind I take nothing but the good deeds and I leave nothing but the good deeds and so what I need to do is to be present and to know that the gift that God has given me is to be the gift to others and I say that in a very humble way you know when you said oh you're a gift I thought no and then I think you know embrace it because We do tell others they are a gift and we have to come back to what I said earlier about being forgiving. Part of that forgiveness is loving yourself and saying, I am a gift, an imperfect gift, but it's a gift that I give back to the world. And I say, accept me for how I look, for who I am, for all my imperfections and for all my desire to be better. And it's when we can become that gift to others, when we, connect with others when we let others know they are of value to us they make a difference that we want to be part of their journey part of the story i want to go with you and speak with you and you and i know like i you know and i go back three years when i connected with you with practical muslim and i was saying let's talk and you said what's your platform all about And I said, it's to make the world a better place, to make us better integrated into the communities where we live. And that story hasn't changed in what I do today. I wanna continue to give back to the community, whatever role I have, whether it's in coaching or in politics or in, in fathering, parenting or in partnering, whatever it is, if I can show up and be wholly present today and wholly in whole, but also wholly as in divine, i can be the complete reflection of the divine on earth and i think that's all that we are meant to be and when we are a divine reflection then we just do good and when we make a mistake we're forgiving and we know that we have to do better
0: brilliant thank you thank you so much for being here and for sharing that um for our viewers and listeners. I just wanna invite you to receive the messages that Muhammad has shared with us today. And as you reflect on what he said and what he shared, benefit from it for yourself and give this as a gift to someone else because sharing is loving. And so share this with another heart and another soul. Thank you and good night.
1: Thank you.